Go, go please to Ephesians, the uh, fourth chapter. If you weren't with us last night, we, we talked about this passage, and I, I believe it is a word from the Lord for you, for here, for now. And if that be the case, that's pretty big stuff. Don't you think? In Ephesians 4, he said, verse 7, he said, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Unto how many of us? Every one of us has been given grace, gifts, abilities, every one of us. Now, they're not automatically evident. Um, you have to yield to them, and they have to be developed in you. And sadly, there's a lot of people have graces in them that are never developed. Uh, but if you'll listen to him and walk with him, they will be. You know, uh, God is faithful. Come on, somebody say that out loud. God is faithful to me. Say it out loud. God is faithful and gracious and good to me. What I mean by that is uh, you don't have to be concerned that you're going to miss the big things in his plan and life, he will see to it that you find out about it. You can count on him. And the only way you miss out on it is if you decide not to listen to him. Not to do what he showed you. There will be significant junctures all through life where you will come to a point where you, you know this is what the Lord has shown me. We need to do this or we need to make a change here or whatever. Uh, and you'll know it. And if you will do it, you'll stay in the plan and you'll keep progressing. But you can decide not to. You can become afraid. You can become lazy. Whatever the case may be. And that's when you miss the plan. Not because you just were never aware of it. If you're a believer, if you're born again, and if you'll just pray just once in a while even, and just once in a while look at some scripture and, and just pay attention a little bit, I'm telling you, God is faithful. He loves you. He'll see to it that you find out some things you need to find out and you get connected with the places and people that you need to get connected to, he will see to it. But that doesn't guarantee that you won't do something dumb like quit or jump out of your place or, or get offended or decide you got a different plan and that's how you miss God. Not just being oblivious to it. Do you hear that? Yes. 
And it's not because you have to be so smart or whatever, or brilliant, or quote half the Bible, or pray, you know, half a day every day. God is gracious. He's faithful. He cares about you. And nobody will be able to say at the end of this life, God, why didn't you help me? God, why didn't you show me? God, I didn't know what to do. Nobody will be able to say that. Like the scripture said, yea, let God be true and every man a liar that you may be ju you know, justified when you are judged. No, everybody will be able to see God was more gracious than people would have asked him to be. He was absolutely faithful. And the failures were not because God didn't help us. It's because somebody decided to be stubborn and rebellious and disobedient and not listen. But I'm sure I'm not talking to people like that here in Colorado. No, not in this church. These are folks that want to hear from God. And when they see it's God, they go for it full bore. Is that right? That's, that's who I thought I was talking to. Yes. But every one of us have graces and gifts. Verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. And verse 11, he gave some these gifts, uh, ministry gifts. He's talking about gifts from God to his people, some apostles, some uh, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And the next verse tells us why he gave these gifts, wow. which is also the answer to why we have ministries and churches. This is pretty big, right? You don't have churches without pastors. Some folks have tried it. Teaching centers ruled by majority rule democratically. That's not a church. Y'all listening? No, it's not. The model of a church is the individual home family. A church, local church is not supposed to be just an institution. It's not supposed to be just a teaching center. It's supposed to be a family. Family. Hmm? Family, you got the papa, you got the mama, you got the older kids, you got the baby, babies. And that's exactly what a church is supposed to be. It's kind of quiet. You will find this all through the scriptures. You will find this. Do you know what the qualifications for ministry are? What, what they begin with? If you read 1 Timothy and Titus, the qualifications for being a deacon, for being a minister, a pastor, for being a bishop, an overseer, it starts with your marriage and your kids. Wow, that's Not how long you pray and how much scripture you can quote. Because it says if a person doesn't know how to take care of their family, how can they take care of the church of God? Why? Because they operate on exactly the same principles. If you're trying to do something else, you have broken away from how, what God has ordained. 
And so uh, with that in mind, with a big family, mama and daddy can't do everything. So the older kids, huh? You know, so you got a family with 25 kids. Mama and daddy can't do everything. So the older kids have to help take care of the younger kids. It's always been that way. Recently, some people have gotten away from that because families have got smaller and it wasn't necessary and people have got some goofy ideas. But it's always, uh, you know, supposed to have been that way. But what if you got a church of 100 people, 500 people, 1,000 people? Well, that's a lot of kids, <laughs> right? Mom and daddy can't do everything for all of those kids. What's supposed to be happening? The older kids are supposed to be helping take care of the younger kids. Hallelujah. That is the plan. That's the way God has ordained it from the beginning. Keep reading. He gave these gifts. He gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let me read some different translations of that to you. Everybody happy? Are we okay so far? Uh, the the uh, ESV translation says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. The God's Word translation says it like this, their purpose, talking about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. The New Century Version says, Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving. And I could give you several other that said the same kind of thing. Uh, modern religion has replaced God's model with something that is of man and doesn't work. And it basically is based on replacing a God-ordained shepherd with a hireling. Jesus talked about the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. In many denominations, uh, headquarters or whoever chooses and assigns and sends the pastor and they are subject to the dictates of the deacon board or whoever. And uh, if something doesn't go quite exactly right, uh, well, they just say, send us another pastor. And, uh, and in fact, just change them up every couple of years just to shake things up. And that is not a church that will grow and develop. And that is not a church where the people develop spiritually. It's that, that is a replacement. No, uh, God's church, his local church, is a family. I said a family. 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 And I don't know how you grew up, but at my house where we grew up, uh, we couldn't vote mama and daddy out. <laughs> No matter how much 
We didn't like, there was nobody we could call and say, we don't like these parents. Send us some new parents. <laughs> and besides that, it takes, some things take time and continuity. Some things you don't start really developing and building in a local church until five years, 10 years, 20 years. And if you're, if you're totally changing everything, you're starting over from scratch. And so you don't progress to the point that you're supposed to. In, uh, uh, in this passage where it said, he, he gave these gifts so that they would prepare the saints so that they would do the work of the ministry so that the whole body would be developed. That is, that is confirmed in verse 16. Just a couple of verses later, that understanding of that, uh, it, you say, well, that, that's just your opinion, preacher. No, you see it very clearly in verse 16. Are you there? He said, uh, verse 15 rather, well, uh, it won't hurt you to read the rest of this. He said, verse uh, 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Somebody say, no more children. Is that the will of God? that we don't remain immature babies, but that we grow up. Say it out loud, it's God's will that I grow up and not remain a child spiritually. Now the reason this is worded like this is because it is possible to have been saved 60 years ago and still be a spiritual baby. You don't develop spiritually just by passage of time. And that's obvious because he, he talks about how to grow up just in this, in this next verse. He said uh, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, verse 16, you will see what we referred to in verse 12. From whom the what? The pastors. The pastors doing their thing, huh? Will cause the working and the body to be edified and built up. No. No, the whole body, somebody say whole body, whole. How many of us have graces and gifts? We, we saw verse, verse seven, wasn't it? Every one of us. Why? To watch TV with? <laughs> to skip church? What? What are these for? What are these for? To use in the world? Or does it have something to do with God's plan? His things. His body. His church. How many of us? Every one of us. Notice he says, the whole body fitly joined together. And see, God has joined, uh, 1 Corinthians says, he has placed everyone in the body as it has pleased him. Just like in the human body, 
your hand doesn't fit at the end of your leg. It doesn't. And it doesn't work. And if you put it there and you try to walk on it, you're not going to walk well. You probably won't be able to run and you'll probably damage and hurt your hand. And if you don't understand what had happened, you can say, well, that hand is no good. It's a bad foot. Yeah, because it's not a foot. <laughs> right? And if you put the foot on the end of the arm, oh, brother. <laughs> Ladies, try putting your makeup on with that. <laughs> Boom, you keep slapping yourself. And <laughs> can't do any fine work. And everything you do is just, uh, huh? It's a terrible hand. Why? Because it's not a hand. It's not a hand. It's a perfectly good foot. You just got it in the wrong place. And that's where, that's what people experience when they're out of their place. When you're out of your place, uh, if you don't know what's going on, you can get judgmental of everybody around you. You're like, I just, I don't like this. And, and, and why don't they appreciate me? Because you're trying to be something that you're not. And they're trying to let you be something that you're not. Was, well, how can I know I'm in the right place? Only one way. Seek God. Pray. Believe him to help you, show you. You're going to have to pray some. I said, you're going to have to pray some. You're going to actually have to talk to God about some things. And believe him to show you. And then when he shows you, he won't show you the whole thing. He'll show you, take a step. Go visit here. Go to this meeting. Meet these people. Get involved with this. Read this. And don't be in a hurry to hang any kind of a title on yourself. Some of these things take years to get real clear on. And like uh, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, used to say, putting a fancy four-color label on a can puts nothing in the can. What do you mean? Hanging labels on yourself doesn't make you anything. And whatever you are will be demonstrated in fruit that is produced. And after a while, if you see a tree with apples all over it, it doesn't need a sign saying this is an apple tree. What do you know? It's an apple tree. How do you know? Apples. It's apples. <laughs> keep, keep reading. He said, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of what? Of what? How many parts? Everybody. How many parts? Everybody. How many parts are supposed to be working and contributing? How many parts? Everybody. Is this what you see? Is this what you see in, in the body of Christ? No. No, you do not. Because the enemy has deceived and, and sold a, a, a phony replacement concept of what church and ministry is supposed to be. 
Uh, go with me to Ezekiel, if you would. The, uh, I believe it's the 33rd chapter. You got time? Yes. You happy? Yes. Okay. We're making progress. You know, people sometimes surmise and they, they talk the way I'm about to say because they think there are no answers to it, especially folks that don't believe in God. And they say, you know, they stare off into the night sky and go, why are we here? Because <laughs> they think it's an unknowable mystery. There's a reason why you're here. The reason, there's a reason why you were born in this time, in this area, where you have met the people that you've met and the associations that have developed. God is real. And he has a plan. And he knows about you. Hmm? And just anything and everything you decide to try and do is not the plan of God. The Bible said don't be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is, we have a responsibility to ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, pursue, and he'll show you. Hallelujah. But you, you got a part. You got a part. God's people, God's churches, God's ministries need help. Oh, man. People are looking for help everywhere to accomplish God-given ministries and calls and vision. And so many of them are so pitifully without help. It is sad how so many churches, just, they just have no help, no resources uh, in people or, or funds or equipment or the case. But who wants the church broke? Who wants the church without help, without resources, without buildings, without the ability to get the word out? Who? Who? Because the Great Commission is to go into all the world and tell everybody the good news. Man, that takes money, that takes people, that takes buildings and lands and cameras and internet and books and does it? And we, you and I got this short window called our lifetime. If you live a hundred years, it's a blink of an eye. You're here and then you're gone. We need to get in, serve our generation with the gospel and, and get out of here with some rewards. Instead of just bouncing around like a, uh, the ball in a pinball machine, trying this, well, that didn't work. Trying that, well, that didn't work. Trying looking for something that ministers to you and will fill your needs instead of having a mentality of where can I serve? How can I help? I got graces. I got gifts. I got resources. Somebody needs what I got. Where is my spot? Where is the place where my grace shines? Hallelujah. Where I can make a difference and contribute. Most of the work in churches and ministries, you don't see. It's not on the platform. Is it true or not? Most of the work. 
There's a lot of work happened before this meeting even started. There's a lot of work happened to get this auditorium in good shape. Y'all don't agree with this? You agree? There's a lot of work. There's a lot of people. A lot of people worked, a lot of people sweat, a lot of people cleaned, a lot of people prayed, a lot of people gave. Is my, my part more important than their part? I wouldn't have the opportunity to have my part if they hadn't done their part. I don't know if you heard that or not. Didn't Jesus say, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, what will you receive? Huh? A lowly helper's reward. Nah, you receive a prophet's reward. What does that mean? In teaching on that some time back, I saw other phrases and looked at the words, and I'm, I was seeing, getting the understanding, it means that you receive the same reward. You receive the same reward. The prophet's reward, the reward they received, and the same reward would be the prophet's reward. But I didn't want to say the wrong. I thought, I thought Lord, is that right? You know, if you, if you help somebody to accomplish something, you receive the same reward. I don't want to say this wrong. He said, well, can you do what you do without all your partners and all your help? I said, no, I can't make it through the day, through the week. We can't make He said, well, then without them, it wouldn't happen. So why wouldn't it be right that if it happened with their help, they get the same part of the same reward? Friend, this hadn't been real enough to us. Because when it gets real to you, you get serious about this help thing. Because it, 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 it goes on into eternity. Ezekiel 33. Are you there? This describes that the modern mentality of ministry is nothing new. Much of ministry in church today is people view it with an entertainment mentality. And it's because of how they've grown up and how they do everything. They grew up, especially current generation, they grew up watching people do things on TV while they just sat and watched and did nothing to contribute to it, just sat and watched. So people watch programs on their TV, they go to movies and sit and watch, they go to um, concerts and sit and watch, they go to plays and sit and watch. And so when they go to church, what do they expect to do? Go and sit and watch which is never what God intended. That was never the plan of God. And here you see that, this, that that's nothing new. In Ezekiel 33, verse 31, he said, verse 30, he had said, Son of man, the children of my people are talking. Verse 31, they come to you this is Ezekiel 33, 31. They come to you as the people come. They sit before you as my people. They hear your words, but they won't do them. 
For with their mouth they show forth much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. And lo, you, tell mighty Ezekiel, he's a man of God, he's a prophet, one of these ministry gifts we're talking about, you are unto them as a very lovely song, as one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. What? Like entertainment. They're hearing him preach, they're hearing him prophecy, prophesy, and they're going, not bad. Yeah, pretty good, I like this guy, he's all right. But with no intention of doing anything. And because of our, all the resources we have in our current generation, there is this, it's easy to, to go to a meeting or to go online or to get a series and, and watch it and listen to it and go, yeah, good. Make a note, next. Part two, yeah, great. Part three, part four, part four, five, six, with no intention of doing anything. And if you do that, there's a term in the New Testament describing people that they were ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge. Always learning, but I'll say it like this, no development, no growth. I, I'm a pilot. I was greatly influenced by uh, Jeremy's granddad, Brother Kenneth Copeland. We, we flew over here. It's how we got here. It's how we're getting to the next thing. It's a great, great tool, great aid. And as a pilot, we have to train on a regular basis. And we've got two components of our training. It's classroom and simulator. And uh, even when you're going to the next aircraft, you might, be in the, you might be in the classroom for two or three weeks, cramming, studying, you're learning about hydraulic systems, electric systems, pneumatic systems, fuel systems, I mean, engines, on and on and on and on. And they're, they're going to give you tests on this, and they're going to quiz you orally and everything. And, and, you know, after, maybe you studied before you got there, and, and then after you're there, and, man, they're just pouring it into you. And by the end of several weeks of all this, and maybe you made good on your test, you're feeling like, I, I know this thing pretty good and haven't flown a trip. Come on, are y'all listening or not? But then, next week starts simulator training, which is just the front end of an airplane cut off on hydraulics and computers. When you get in there and shut the door, you forget it's a simulator. It looks, it, it's an actual plane that you're touching and the visuals are so good Grown men have been known to scream. <laughs> you, it's real, man. And you might have been so confident about, you know, man, I, I got a hundred on my test. And then a red light goes, and you go, what? What? They told me what to do, but it's different. 
doing than talking about. Are y'all with me or not? And see, we got whole hundreds of thousands and millions of church-going people. They have done ground school and more ground school and more ground. And they think that's all there is. Come and hear and learn and get notes. Come and hear and learn and get notes. And because of the entertainment mentality, people think, well, what else do you expect? It's not what I expect. It's what your God expects out of you. He expects you to put this into practice. Every bit of this. To put it into practice. And there are so many things you cannot learn by hearing. You only learn by doing. You know it in life. Is that right? I mean, take when you learned how to drive a car. Right? Maybe you studied the book. Maybe you passed the written test. And you get out there, and especially if you were a few years ago, in these great old big cars. You start driving, you go, man, I can't even see the dotted line. What's going on here? And you haven't developed your perception and everything. You can't learn that reading a book. Your spatial, your reaction, your awareness, the feel, the sound, all of that, you can only learn by doing. And if you only listen and won't do, you cannot develop beyond the babyhood stage. Which is why many born again 50 years ago, but they're still babies. Because all they do is ground school. No practical. No do. Do you see the, the end of that verse that we just read? He said they, they come and they listen and you're to them. The prophet, the, the gift from God to them is like somebody that has a beautiful voice and can sing well. See, they, they, they're being entertained because they hear your words, but what? They won't do them. They don't put it into practice. You can't develop in love by only hearing messages on love or reading books on love. You can't develop in it. It feeds your faith. It feeds your love, doesn't exercise it. You can't develop in faith by just hearing faith messages. That's not exercising faith. That's feeding faith. Go back with me, if you would, to uh, our text, Ephesians 4. Are you okay? Can you see the truth of it, though? Huh? Every time I've gone to flight school, it just hits me. I'm thinking, this is church. This is exactly how church works. Uh, you, but, but services are ground school. That doesn't mean you know how to fly. You got to take what you heard and put it into practice. And the only way you're going to get good at flying, you got to do it a lot. You got to do it a lot under all kinds of circumstances. And then you develop 
uh, perception, you develop a feel for things, you, you anticipate, but that doesn't come just because you read a book or made some notes or went to 25 seminars. Which is why you can have folks that are ever learning but never able to come to the experiential knowledge of God. Experiential knowledge is what that's talking about. Uh, go, go to Hebrews actually before, on, on your way to Ephesians. <laughs> Depending on where we were, but you, you can do it. Uh, Hebrews 5. I believe the Lord's helping us tonight, don't you? Yes. I know he is. Without his grace and help, I couldn't speak the way I'm speaking right now. I'd, I'd fumble around and you'd be bored and it'd be rough. And When there's a flow, when there's light, when there's answers, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And when you're getting it and you're seeing things, that's the anointing sitting on you right now. The anointing is on you in your chair. It's wonderful. I said it's wonderful. And, and how wonderful is it that this has to do with you discovering why you exist? Why you exist? Why you were born? Why you are alive? Why you're here and where you are and what's coming next? This revelation, this knowledge is available to you. But you got to do it his way. And what we're reading is, is his way. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What will the truth do for you? Help me out. What, what will it do? It, it will set you free. It'll make you free from darkness, make you free from confusion, make you free from ambiguity and, and, and vacillating and wavering and, and make you free, free from all that. So you know who you are. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. That's walking in the light. You see, you know. And in his path, it gets brighter and brighter. You see it clearer and clearer. Hallelujah. I'm in my 40th plus year of ministry now. And man, I, I see things clearer than I ever have before. I see my call, my grace. It's just getting better. I mean, I'm, I'm older physically, but I wouldn't go back to being dumber for any amount of money or you know, being, you know, turning back the clock to 20 years old. Now, the Lord can sustain my body. I like knowing where I'm going. Hallelujah. And, and, and it's just getting clearer and clearer. And, and more and more. And you just are not distracted and confused. And Oh, thank God for the light. Uh, Hebrews. Five, he said, uh, he's talking about Jesus and that he was, verse 10, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now the Spirit of God through, we believe it's Paul, author of the human instrument of this, uh, is getting into some 
really amazing and wonderful things. Uh, Melchizedek, who met Abraham and to whom Abraham gave a tithe and a tenth of all, uh, there's some uh, kingdom uh, types and mysteries that are not quite evident. Uh, well, they're not evident unless the Lord reveals it to you. And he's getting into that. And he says, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Um, utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. Some have not understood this. I, I've ministered a lot of places over the years and uh, thankfully this only happened a couple of times, but there's been a, a few couple of times and places where I was there for four or five services, two or three days, and never able to get out what I had on my heart from the Lord. And you might say, well, what do you mean? Did you, not, did you know it, or what to do or not? I did. Well, why didn't you just say it? Well, what's he talking about here? He said, I got a lot of things to say, but it's hard to utter. Why would it be hard to utter? Not because of the speaker, because of the hearer. He didn't say because I, I can't get a hold of it. He said because you are dull of hearing. It was a hearing issue. You remember that the master said, I mean numerous times, him that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not just talking about physical ear. So what's, what's going on here? Our ability to hear varies, changes at different times in our life. Our heart attitude is directly connected to it. One of the biggest things that makes a hearing ear is a willing heart. An unwilling heart makes a deaf ear spiritually. You just won't even hear it even though it was told you. But there's more to it than that. You hear differently depending on your spiritual development. That's not so hard for us to understand. Uh, Three-year-olds, four-year-olds uh, hear conversations. They heard it. Maybe you're talking uh, with an adult about something significant or involved. They heard every word you said, but did they understand everything that you said? No. They might not have had a clue what you were talking about. And yet you might have been very precise and said it very well. Why couldn't they, uh, why didn't they understand it? Because they were hearing from their level of development. Uh, I know I had the privilege of... Uh, uh, ministering in Brother Hagin's uh, healing school. And I was involved in that for a number of years and was there every day. And uh, they videoed it. And part of my job at one point was to um, review the videos and, and use them in different places. And, and one day, I don't know, I had been there uh, 
uh, 10 years, I guess. And, and I was reviewing one of the videos and I was hearing Brother Hagin get into some things and I thought, whoa, glory to God. And I started writing notes down and I thought, man, I'm, I must not have been there that day or something. You know, I never, and the camera panned over and I was sitting on the front <laughs> row. It was hard for me to believe. I was there three feet from him when he was teaching it. I, I never heard it though. Why? I had grown. I had grown in those 10 years and now I'm hearing things I hadn't heard before. I know some years ago there was a particular thing. You know, when you don't understand something, whether it's in the Word or what it, whatever it is, Never question God accusatively. Never. But you can ask him for understanding. You know what I mean by that? Never go, why God? Why? Never. That's questioning his character. That's serious stuff if you know better. But you can ask why in the sense of, Lord, I'd like to understand this. Now, I trust you. Whether what I see or whether I don't see, you're good and you're faithful. And I trust you in life and in death, whether I see it or I don't, I trust you. That's not open for discussion. But I don't understand this. I'd like to know more about it. I, I, I'm asking for understanding. So I did that on a certain thing. And I got nothing on that thing that I saw the next few days or weeks or months. And I was riding down the road 10 years later. <laughs> 10 years later, and the Spirit of God just starts talking to me about that. Just like I had asked the question five minutes ago. Of course, what's 10 years to him? The Bible said a thousand years to him is like last night. Like a watch in the night. So... And as he began, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he's showing me the answer to what I asked him. And as he did, I saw exactly why he didn't tell me 10 years ago. I wouldn't even have known what he was talking about. I had to grow for him to even answer my question, to tell me what I had asked. Because he could have told me, but I still wouldn't have known. Why? We're born again babies. And if we're fed right, and if we do something besides just here only, if we do some things, we will grow. We will develop. Are you there? Keep reading this. It said, you're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Is he saying they should be further down the road than they are? Is he saying you should have developed a whole lot more than you have by reason of time, when for the time. So then we, we see spiritual development does not occur automatically by passage of time. Can you see that right here in the Word? He said, you have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in, in the Word of righteousness, the margin says, has no experience. For he is a baby. But strong meat, or some translations say solid food, which would be the next step beyond milk, 
belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now the word senses could be translated, and we might understand it better, perception. Perception and judgment. He's not talking about your five physical senses. How do we develop? Oh, church, are y'all awake? How do we develop? Just like naturally, got to be fed, right? But is that it? No. He said you need milk, and by this time you should be on to something even stronger. And how, uh, how do those move on to more solid things? They have exercised. Somebody say exercised. Exercise. Exer- say it again. Exercised. Say it again. Exer- exercised. If you went to the gym and they're having an a aerobic workout, and man, they're, I mean, they're moving and, and, and they're sweating and you're sitting on the couch <laughs> watching this with a coffee. You're at the gym. You're in the same class. Are you exercising? No. So will you get any development? No. Yeah, but you're there. Yeah, but you're not exercising. Right? And that has happened over and over again. People say, yeah, but I was there. Whoopee. (laughs) But you, you have to exercise. How do you exercise? Go back now, go back to our text. Ephesians 4. Can you take a little more? I think you can. I think you can. I got some more for you. The Lord has some more for you. How do we exercise? We're we're not going to to develop. You know, we're not going to become a good pilot just by reading books and taking tests. At some point, we got to get in that bird and fire it up. Is that right? And when you do, you're going to learn all kinds of things you didn't get in the book. Hmm? And you're going, to, you're going to go to take off and you're going to say, well, why does the nose keep wanting to go that way? That way, there's a crosswind coming out of it from here. Especially around here, Colorado Springs. It was kicking when we came in the other day. In fact, we couldn't land at first. We had to go and circle around a little bit. But, uh, you know, there was two sentences in the book about that. There's a crosswind. Doesn't need to be over this strong. And you go, yeah, right. Crosswind. (laughs) But when you're landing in it, and it ain't steady, and it don't stand there. It's over here, now it's over there. It's strong, now it's weak. And you're going, oh, 
<laughs> and you get it touched down, you go, whoo, I got to get on the brakes. Oh, I got to get this dude stopped. And when you land, you go, whoo. You just got exercised. <laughs> Is that right? Exercised. You, you had to put into practice what you heard in the classroom, what you learned in the book. But now you, you learned something you could have never learned. You could have read that book a hundred times. You could have gone to 50 seminars on that book. And see, some people think because they can quote it. They're good at it and have never practiced it. What do you practice to grow up? We're told specifically. Ephesians 4, are you, are you there? Mm -mm. God is so good. Verse 14, Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Is he talking to us now about how we can avoid what, they, what, what, what we heard about in Hebrews, where he's telling them you should be further along than you are? Wow. Huh? So what, what did that mean? You're still babies. What does this say? No longer children. No long, they were, yes, longer. Still longer. This says what? No longer. Come on, say it out loud. No longer. no longer. I mean, it's fine to be a baby if you're a baby. And we can work with you needing everything when you're a baby. Two months old, six months old, a year old, two year old. But when you're 18 and you say, I'm hot, do something. Really? I'm hungry. Feed me. Feed me. Mm -mm. You should have learned some things by now. By watching, by example, by listening, by learning, and by doing. You should have learned some things so that you can what? Bathe yourself, feed yourself, help yourself. Is that right? Yes. And you should have been doing that long ago. Long before that. Spiritually, the same thing is true. I hope everybody's listening. The Bible said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, etc. But if you read that whole passage, the implication is those that are too weak to help themselves. Uh, because it starts off with saying, is any Mary among you? Let him sing. Well, what if you came to me and said, I'm Mary, sing. You sing. Well, you Mary, do your own singing. Well, the very next verse talks about praying. Too many times people are saying, pray for me. Why? See, people don't like that because they got a religious idea about tradition. If you're a baby, 
then actually I can use my faith more for you, especially if I'm your minister and you're submitted to us on some degree. I can use my faith for you. Just like a natural parent, a mom or dad who have faith and believe, they can receive healing for their three-year-old just like it's their own body. But by the time that child gets six, seven, eight, nine years old, old enough to know the Lord for their self, he expects them to come to him themselves. And there will come a time, I don't know what age it, it, it changes, depending on the individual. It may be 10, it may be 12, it may be, but there will come a time if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, oh, mama, believe for me for this. Daddy, pray for me for this. And the Lord will say, no. You tell them to, them to come to me. In fact, he won't let you do it anymore. You can try it and it won't work. Because they're old enough to do these things on their own. It's real similar to saying, you know, Brother Keith, cut my grass for me. <laughs> Brother Keith, do my laundry for me. Well, is there a reason why you can't do it yourself? <laughs> Brother Keith, pray for me. Really? Why? Maybe, but why? A lot of times, people want you to pray and believe while they don't pray and watch TV. <laughs> I got things to pray for too. I got a spouse. I got staff. I got partners. I got meetings to go to. I got people like you to come. I need to hear from God about what to do. And Do I need to be praying for your stuff? Now, if I do, okay, if you're hurting, if you're down, I got place and access. There are situations. Yes, I can join faith with you. If you're a baby baby and you're part of us, uh, yeah, I can use my faith to a large degree. How do I know those things? There's so many variables. You got to be led by the Spirit on every situation. But do you see what I'm talking about? There needs to be a come a point where you're not asking everybody to do your praying for you. You're not asking everybody to do your believing for you. It was all right when you were a baby. But you've been in this for how long now? Are y'all okay? That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Verse 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head. In a sentence, that's how you grow up. How do you grow up? Two huge components, truth and love. Now truth is connected to faith because faith is trust and you trust what you believe to be true. I know I'm moving kind of fast, but as newborn babes, how am I going to grow? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, what is the milk of the Word. The Lord said, thy word is truth. 
truth. And Hebrews said, you get to the place where you no longer just, all you can take is milk because you have exercised your faculties. You've exercised your discernment and judgment. What? By feeding on the word and being fed the word of truth. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit through ministry gifts can feed everybody from two ounces of milk to an 18 ounce T-bone in the same service, in the same, only the Holy Spirit can do that. And see, that comes back to their hearing. This one only took the two ounces. That's all they heard. Huh? They heard God's a good God and loves me. And they said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great for a baby. Why? Because tomorrow, next week, next month, they'll hear more. They'll be able to take more. But then, if that happens week in, week out, month in, month out, as you're going through your daily life, as you're interacting with people, you're accruing a, a foundation and a base knowledge of truth. And when you know the truth, you can discern error. You can discern lies. And doing this, making decisions, uh, because you're faced with decisions every day. You're, you're dealing with people and situations all the time and, and, and looking to the Spirit of God to lead you who is the Spirit of truth. And he brings to your remembrance everything the Lord said to you and leads and guides you into all the truth. And you're, you can make some mistakes in the beginning. And, and well, that sounded good to you, but then later on you realize, oh, oh no, that wasn't right. That was, this is the truth, so that can't be right. So you grew some. And then you exercise and you grow some. And the more you grow, the less error and lies you believe. Come on, can you see that? But that didn't come just by going to a service. You were fed it, but then you had to select truth and reject error. Select what God said, reject what man said. You had to do that at home. And when you're watching stuff and when you're listening, when you're talking to people, that is exercise. That is doing. And that, you, you can't, Develop past babyhood stage just by eating and drinking milk and feeding any more than a baby. How many understand that baby is doing stuff besides eating, moving? Is that right? And then very soon, really moving. Is that right? You're chasing them. So, real quick, that is part of it. What's that other part? Speaking the Truth, what? In love. How do you grow up spiritually? You have to develop in truth and faith, goes with that, and being led by the Spirit. And you got to develop in love. And that's not reading books on love, that's not memorizing 1 Corinthians 13. 
You need that, but that's not exercising. How do you develop in love? Hmm? By controlling yourself. By controlling your selfishness. By not giving people a piece of your mind. <laughs> by not throwing down your tools and quitting. Yeah. By not writing people off and holding a grudge. Come on, you are with me. And this you don't do in the classroom. This is flying the plane. Right? And sometimes it's stormy. Come on, are you with me or not? But if you, if you say, if you refuse to walk in love, you'll stay a baby. You'll be a baby the next time we see you. If you refuse, all you want to do is hear good messages and make notes, but you refuse to make the effort to be led on your own and do your own praying and do your own believing. And you're always, trying, you're always blaming somebody else and you're always putting responsibility on somebody else. Why won't they? Well, but they wouldn't help me. I called them five times and they didn't answer. Well, well, well maybe they weren't supposed to help you. Maybe the Lord wanted you to go directly to him. See, his plan is to get you to where you don't need so much help, but you are help. God's plan is to have a bunch more babies. People been born again like popcorn. And one of the reasons a lot of this hasn't happened is because every nursery is full. Every crib is full. Every bottle is in use. Every pacifier is in use. And the people that should have grown up and be ready to help the babies 10 years ago still want a what do they call it? Yeah, what's the other name? Binky. Binky and a blankie. And they can't take anything. If you don't check on them three times, they will quit coming to church. If they give $5 and you don't tell everybody and brag on it, they will quit giving. They're just not available most of the time. People tend to go to church, if they go to church, churches that share their commitment level. Babies don't want to go where anything is expected of them. Expected to grow, much less expected to serve. No, they want to go when they want to go, if they want to go, Tell me something that makes me happy and feel good about myself, and then I will go. And I may see you again. Probably Easter, for sure. <laughs> now we're laughing, but you know us that way. You know us that way. And you can't control everybody. You're not supposed to try. But God needs some people to grow up. He's got business to be done. He's building his church. 
He needs somebody that's not always trying to get somebody else to do everything for him, knows how to pray their self, knows how to hear from God their self, knows how to believe God himself, that he can say, all right, come here, help me. You help take care of this. You help take care of this. And he can multiply this thing. He can build up the body of Christ and expand it. Hallelujah. That's only able to be done because the saints were equipped and ministered to so that they are able to render spiritual service. Serve their God. Serve the church. Serve the body. Serve their fellow believers. Serve their generation for God. Oh, can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet, everybody. Woo! Somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Go ahead and play something, guys, softly. How, do, how are we going to grow up, saints? How are we going to grow up? Speaking the truth in love, we'll grow up in Him. Not just, not just hearing and feeding, exercising in the truth, prayer, faith, being exercising in walking in love. Is it easy to walk in love? No. People say, well, it is for me. You don't know what it is then. <laughs> no. Uh, everybody's got flesh. And the nature of your flesh is selfish. Yours is, mine is. Your flesh didn't get born again. It was the man on the inside. The love of God is not shed abroad in your flesh. It's not even shed abroad in your head. Romans 5 says it's shed abroad in your heart, in the inner man. And it ha it's not based on how you feel about people. You get out, you do things, you begin to do things that the Lord's directing you to do. Everybody's not going to be happy about it. The enemy will try to hinder you. And the more you're doing that's accomplishing something good, the enemy will try more. He'll stir up people to talk against you, attack you, lie on you. Come on, y'all listening? And you'll be tempted. Oh, you'll be, I don't care who you are. You'll be tempted to get mad, to lash back out, to hold a grudge. And if you do that, you'll always be a baby. Because you're not taking the opportunity to exercise. For your muscles to develop, you got to load them with something. Is that right? It's resistance that causes that. And, you know, have you read the scripture about the Lord uh, gave us the whole armor of God? Breastplate of righteousness, loins girt with the truth. Feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the spirit. Shield of faith. What if you're all dressed up and nobody to fight? Nothing, <laughs> nothing to do. How can you be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome? Why, why, why would the Lord allow this? Because the only way to develop is through exercising. Through using your faith through using the name of Jesus, through walking in love, being so mad you want to spit. 
And what they have done is so unfair and so stupid and so wrong. And you realize this is an opportunity to stretch my love, to exercise love. You don't have to feel lovely towards them. It's a choice to act, do good to those that hate you, despitefully use you. Do you don't have to feel like doing good? Just do it. Pray for them. You don't have to feel like praying for them. Just do it because God told you to. And what's happening, you're exercising. And if you're, if you're getting fed and exercising, it won't be long. You're not a baby anymore. I said, you're not a baby anymore. And then you hear differently and you can take stronger things and then you'll have other opportunities. And if you keep using your faith and using your love, you'll grow some more and you'll get to the place where little stuff don't bother you. You've gotten stronger. You've gotten more stable. You've gotten more. Come on, can you see this? Oh, it's the way you want to go. It's worth the discomfort. It's worth it and then some. And what's so important is you get to the place where you're not just a baby and the Father, the Spirit, can reach and tap you on the shoulder and say, I, I want you to help me with this. You're mature enough, He can turn some things over to you. He can share things He doesn't share with babies. He can count on you. I said He can count on you. Babies need help. Mature ones are help. Hallelujah. to God. Praise be to God. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.